Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Politics without the soap opera. With unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for life, liberty, and property as if there is a true sense of urgency. If that's what you're looking for, well, I don't know where you'll find it other than here at CR Podcast. Your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here February 6th. It is Tuesday, and we are going to change gears a little bit, go back to some of the things we were talking about in 2021, 2022. We're going to have a deep dive into the RSV vaccines. In general, what we've learned and not learned since the genocide, thousands of studies, observational data points, just our friends, family, people dying, injured for life from the shots. You know, we kind of go on as if it never happened. And not only that, before we could even catch our breath, they're on to the next genocide. RSV is the new genocide shot. Uh, do not allow anyone you know to get that shot. Pregnant women, seniors, children, and they're going to expand it. So we're going to have Dr. Dan Stock coming up very soon. Uh, just one of our uh, one-man think tanks on this issue. Brilliant, brilliant man. So uh, you, you're not going to want to miss that. But first, just to frame the issue, to kind of spend a couple minutes uh, going back to what we talked about yesterday with the, the Langford bill and immigration, and we'll talk about it more tomorrow. But uh, it, w- what we are, this conservative movement, media, the Republican Party, it's sort of like someone's breaking into your house. A couple of robbers entering the front door, breaking some windows. And you go out, you run out of your house, and rather than kind of circling around to the front and flanking them and taking clear pot shots to the chest, one to the head for each attacker, you just go in the backyard and just, you know, take a bazooka and start discharging it in random directions and just enjoying the the, the the sound, the noise. And all the while, you know, they get into the house, obtain entry, start stealing stuff, and they're already on their way out, and you don't even kill them. And this is how we are at such an uncanny point in politics, in American history, where we have such public, consequential harm from grave, grave policies being fomented by the left. And it's not like we're ignoring it. We have a robust movement. Oh my gosh, look at the invasion. Oh my gosh, look at the tranny stuff. Oh my gosh, even look at COVID and the vaccines. Yet their stuff continues because we don't have a movement to train the fire downrange to where the leverage points actually are. And where we see this with the immigration stuff is I, I warned about this. The Lankford bill and Lankford himself is rapidly becoming a straw man punching bag. So it's allowing even the rhino senators that, yeah, yeah, we don't support that. 
well, okay, I mean, we should have never entertained that, and I'm glad we're not, but we're already dying from the invasion, so that would have taken it to the next level, but wait a minute, you have control of the House, you have a filibuster-enabling minority in the Senate, and you have control of half the states. So right now we're making opposition to the Langford bill a straw man litmus test that everyone except for Langford himself, who is at least being honest, could meet that. And that's why a guy like uh, Roger Wicker, who is in cycle, he's up for re-election in Mississippi and has a legitimate opponent, he, j- he hasn't said a word. And Barrasso, who's up for election, has Trump's endorsement as well. Uh, he actually came out against it. No surprise. But who is demanding that Mike Johnson, that this is literally, I mean, right now, right now, we have, what, what, what is it, uh, 24, 23 days, 23 days left to the budget deadline? So right now, build the case. We will only pass a budget bill out of the House that has HR2 or something similar attached to it. And then the Senate Republicans, it's not like, oh, I'm not going to pour lighter fluid on the fire. Well, okay, well, I, I, that's something, but how about pouring water on it? How about Senate Republicans promise, remember, it takes 41 to filibuster, there's 49 Senate Republicans, we will block any of Schumer's CRs or omnibuses or budget bills that do not contain the House prerogatives that hopefully the House would push. And then again, likewise in the states, at the same time, concurrent with this battle over the budget, they'd be passing with their legislatures in session bills to criminalize illegal presence, authorizing removals, and certainly banning benefits and and employment. But we're not seeing any of that. So this is how the policy continues despite widespread recognition of the problem. It's, it's just a weird position that we're in now. And that's where we are with COVID. We have endless studies out of how this thing harms every body part. Yet not only have we no movement to take these off the market and a unified Republican position to get rid of uh, you know, the PrEP Act and the NCVIA that indemnifies these companies of liability, right? We don't even have, in most red states, categorical bans on vaccine and mask mandates and full-bore reforms to uh, executive authority to declare an, an emergency and do what they did in March 2020. We don't even have that. But certainly... We would have hoped that by now we would have learned that there's a need to audit everything on the market now. This affects every single kid born. Now that we are facing a cancer crisis, a fertility crisis as a result of the COVID shots, shouldn't we take stock in the existing crises we have of kids being born with so many behavioral, developmental, and mental problems, obviously beginning but not limited to autism. Just what is the deal with that? Now that we've learned about the immune system, of how uncontrolled antibody spikes are not good, and yet, through the front doors are able to look us in the eye 
as people continue to die and get cancers from the COVID shots and take the worst shot of all, the RSV shot, and just run, just approve it. And I, I, I had to pinch myself. I, I was like, I can't believe this is happening. But people are calling me left and right. People I know, people have pregnant daughters or wives. And all the OBGs are pushing it on them. And they're pushing it on, on children. I mean, this is not going away. According to CDC, 13.1% of pregnant women have received the Pfizer RSV shot after it went to market this fall. Nearly 21% of mothers of infants reported that among those babies eligible for the vaccine, you have to be eight months and older. So for the newborns, they have the pregnancy one that they claim conveys immunity to the baby. And then for over eight months old, they have this, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this piece of garbage, Neversimab or something, which is, an uh, it's really a monoclonal antibody but it is basically being treated like a vaccine. It's administered through a needle. And it's it's made by AstraZeneca, distributed by Sanofi. And then an additional 27% reported that they definitely planned to get their kid the shot. And this was the original bad vaccine dating back 60 years. I mean... This is half the people. People don't know. They know the kids get RSV. They're scared of it. And this is it. And um, this is from a couple weeks ago. But the culture of death and the religious cult behind these shots is so strong. There's this, it's all good mentality. We don't find people getting surgeries or other like chemotherapy when you don't need it. Oh, I think you need it. Oh, whoops, I'm sorry, I gave you the wrong one. But with vaccines, they're handed out like candy. It doesn't matter. So basically, there's three different genres on the market. There's GSK's Orexavi and Pfizer's Abrisvo for seniors over 60. There's another Pfizer Abrisvo for pregnant women. And then there's the AstraZeneca Neversimab, which is the monoclonal antibody for um, infants. Three types. CDC admitted a couple weeks ago, they put out a warning last month that over 150 women and babies have been administered the wrong shot. And that's the ones we know. It's probably a lot more than that. According to the University of Minnesota Center for Infectious Disease Research, 25 babies were given Pfizer's RSV shot for pregnant women or GSK's shot for seniors, while at least 128 pregnant women were given the senior shot. And it's, it's, it's all good. And people are having a hard time finding OBGs, finding pediatricians. Our entire medical system is messed up. It's controlled by government, by Medicare, by Medicaid, by the insurance cartel, working with this CDC vaccination schedule. And right away, after a year of having these out in the market, we have no long-term studies because, as always, they vaccinate the placebo group. And even with that, we found so many problems, so many safety signals, neonatal deaths, preterm births, Guillain-Barre, overstimulation of the immune system for the senior shots that was admitted by members of the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices for CDC. And yet it's all good. It's approved. 
and it is now on the child vaccination schedule. And and I'm still struggling. We have a bill in North Dakota. Friend of mine uh, introduced. I'm sorry, South Dakota. North Dakota is not not even in session. HB twelve twenty one. Christy Nome won't lend support because she opposes it, but she won't be held accountable. We can't even get the don't tase me, bro, bills off the table. I mean, we all have these problems. I have, I mean, I got kids with schools and even even camp for the summer. They require a bunch of things. I'm like, what am I going to do? I can't find normal doctors. And we're all we're all in this boat where we know it's not just the COVID shots. We know there is something seriously wrong about the trajectory of what has happened. People even my age, you know, going from 10 doses to 70, 80 doses in one generation. There's something really wrong there. But before we could even catch our breath on what's going on, they're on to the next. They're on to the next. So there's a lot a lot of new stuff on the COVID shots. Um, but again, you guys already know how toxic this is. Just want to read one article for you, and then we'll get to RSV with Dr. Dan. First, our sponsor today, our friends at Birch Gold. I actually now have my tax returns up on my computer. I'm starting to work on them for 2023. I will owe a lot of money this year that I didn't have taxes taken off because I didn't, you know, have have W-2 wages for them. So what happens when you owe extra taxes? One way to keep it, or deferred at least, is to put it in a 401k or an IRA, get 6500 per spouse. Where are you going to put that money? Stock market, all-time high? BlackRock? How about texting Daniel to 989898 and put it in something of value. They reserve real gold for you. And so you could take the tax deduction, for example, $6,500 worth of gold held in a real account for you. Um, this is this is a, a trend that is taking off. I am going to do more shows on this. A lot of legislation in states. Unfortunately, we don't have governors promoting this. But this is ultimately going to be, be the way to hedge against inflation, but really ultimately to hedge against the Fourth Reich so to claim your free info kit on gold, text Daniel to 989898 today. Because when digital currency becomes a reality, it'll sure be nice to have some gold to fall back on. So I, I just want to show you just how open it is. It's almost like, oh yeah, this is the fourth right key. Yeah, we're gonna put you in a gas chamber. We're gonna kill you. Like, wait, what what do you what do you just say? What what did you just say? This is gonna stop. You have some sort of unified, effective training of fire by a political movement on the leverage points and the policy points that matter to grind this to a halt. But no, it's gotten so brazen. Do you know that there's a study out in Nature Review's Drug Discovery, January 23rd, one of Nature publications. It's written by Northeastern University um, in Boston uh, doctors, but along with Moderna and Moderna doctors, they admit that their shot is toxic. I mean, it's it's unreal. This is their own thing published in Nature. Quote: A major challenge now is how to 
efficiently de-risk potential toxicities associated with mRNA technology. They're almost trolling us now. And they note that the toxicity risks include lipid nanoparticle structural components, production methods, route of administration, and proteins produced from complex mRNAs. Moderna employees Eric Joaquinet and Demetrios Petonius and Maximilian Roger, Rogers, um, they're all from Moderna, and they, they're part of this. And they, they even talk about um, polyethylene glycol, PEG. That was the ingredient we, 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 had to, we did a show, a show back on that. And they warn about it. They warn about heart inflammation, severe allergic shock, reactions triggered by, by PEG. They call PEG the most potentially reactogenic component. I mean, this is an un- unbelievable what we talked about three years ago. Two to three years ago. I just, I just can't believe it's out there in the open. And yet this thing is still mandated at the VA. It's still mandated in a number of red state hospitals and med schools and nursing schools. Much forget about blue states. It is still promoted by 49 out of 50 state health departments. And, and that's after three years of the most obvious death, injury, and destruction. And they admit it's out in the open, beyond belief, for years already. And there's no discussion. There is no bill being put forth by House leadership, by the um, subcommittee on coronavirus under oversight. Heck, they don't even have hearings on vaccine injury to change things. And now we're already on to the next one. So let's get to Dr. Dan and delve into what we know and what we don't know about RSV. So folks, remember that TV show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? And, you know, after listening to this show and so many of the amazing guests we've had on, you guys are literally smarter than 90% of doctors and especially these pediatricians. I mean, just the nature study we just read from Moderna's own scientists talking about the toxicity of of the lipid nanoparticles, the PEG, and it's like nothing happens. Nothing changes. They're like, oh, maybe you ought to get another shot. Did you even look at the mechanism of action? And one of the things I've come to learn from our next guest, who is an expert in biochemistry, that doctors are not taught, nor do they generally learn on their own, the how and why of the body. So whatever crap is thrown down that pipeline from Pfizer or AstraZeneca, the next thing, oh, there's another thing on the assembly line. Wait, did you ever even think of how RSV works um, as a virus, how antibodies work, how the immune system works, or is it just all good? All right, well, you know, I didn't know. Okay, I, I understand that. But the last three years, if you're a doctor, this has been your Super Bowl. If I know this, if you know this, then every doctor should know this times 10. And what sort of lessons should we take out from the COVID shots, applying to some of these other shots, beginning with the new ones on the market for RSV? So with us is none other than Dan Stock. Um, 
He is a functional medicine expert, family doctor in Indiana. Check him out if you are in central Indiana. Um, and, and he really taught us a lot about the immune system, about antibodies, different classes of them. And everything he said on this show two to two and a half years ago turned out to be correct in spectacular yet tragic fashion. Dr. Dan, it's been way too long. Really excited to have you back today. Well, thanks a lot, Daniel. Glad to be back. Yes, and we certainly learned a lot from you, and we thought we'd be having our tribunal now, uh, you know, throwing people in prison for what they did to humanity, and yet without blinking an eye, they're on to the next one, and it was not only approved for seniors, for pregnant women, and then uh, babies over eight months with this uh, nivirzumab uh, uh, monoclonal antibody that's that's treated like a vaccine, but a good number of people are getting it every OBG and pediatrician is pushing it to varying degrees. People are frantically calling me. They want to know what to do. Could you start from the beginning, the history? Tell us the history of the RSV vaccine, why it was such a bad candidate for vaccines, and and how it ties into some of the lessons we've learned from COVID. Yeah, well, uh, you know, back in the 1960s, they tried to make a, a vaccine for RSV before. Um, and that vaccine in the first year actually looked like it was working. It was protecting uh, people from RSV death. But then in the second year, there was a skyrocketing amount of, B- of RSV death in the vaccinated group compared to placebo. And at the end of the second year, you're actually more likely to be dead from RSV if you took the vaccine than if you took the placebo. And I think that was probably uh, the very first shot across the bow to tell people that we really don't understand uh, doctors don't understand infectious disease and its interaction with the immune system. Um, and uh, unfortunately, we have learned a lot since then because doctors aren't taught much about the immune system. They get a very superficial grounding. Um, you know, whenever you look at an infectious disease, we make it sound like this is all about the pathogen. Uh, but the reality is, um, to varying degrees, it's about the immune system because this is always a competition between your immune system ability to fight the germ and the germ. Um, there are certain germs like rabies that you rarely come in contact with. Evolution can't make your immune system able to overcome it because it doesn't get much stimulus for it, where vaccination uh, might make a big deal because the pathogen is the really big issue. But when you look at something like a respiratory virus, or for that matter, a lot of the respiratory bacterial infections, um, these things been around for, you know, this epochs, um, if our immune system wasn't able for the majority of people to overcome these, that it wiped out the human species. We already know from our studies that for these kind of pathogens, somewhere between uh, 65 to 80% of people who become infected never get any symptoms at all, meaning that their immune system is able to handle this thing without any problem, which means the difference between people who get RSV and get disease and people who get RSV and don't get disease has nothing to do with the pathogen. It has to do with the quality of your immune system, which means if you go after the pathogen, a pathogen-specific intervention, you're probably not going to win the war because you have a good chance of causing problems because you're really shooting off the target. Um, and that's what we found with RSV. Um, we've actually seen it now with COVID. Influenza looks very similar. Uh, pertussis seems to be going the same way. Um, and I think the reason that's happening is because, well, there's several reasons. First of all, legally, we've just made it so that it's very profitable 
uh, for insurance companies and governments and the money they give to uh, institutions uh, to teach doctors very little about this pathogen immune system interaction. So we learn nothing about immune systems. Um, very profitable to make vaccines. You don't have any liabilities, so you research them very badly. And the new RSV vaccines are actually worse research, much worse than the older one in 1960 was. And so we keep blundering down the same mistake. So- so let's talk about that. Let's talk about that because I want to get to the poli- your policy suggestions later. I want to first kind of build the case here. So, you know, obviously, like you said, they were aborted in the 1960s because they found in the long term that, uh, you know, you had the, um, you know, ADA, ADE, the antibody dependent disease enhancement that actually made it easier to get it and die from RSV. Um, and that's why you need long term placebo controlled trials. But here we have these shots. And, you know, just from what we know from their fraudulent clinical trial data, which we know <laughs> we can't trust, but ACIP committee members during the hearing on the Pfizer shot said, quote, it can overstimulate the immune system, which is why it is only used for the elderly or immunocompromised. This was the one they approved for over 60, but then they approved kind of similar ones for, for pregnant women and then this monoclonal for, for babies. We know that um, one in 9,000 they saw got Guillain-Barre syndrome from um, the senior shot. And we know that there was, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but both GSK and Pfizer's pregnant women shot had signals, massive signals, for neonatal deaths and preterm births. So that's what we know from their own their own trial data off the that but now you get a promotion you know that that's like a resume and answer okay so we're gonna approve it what do you know about the way these shots work well you have to remember they're all adjuvant vaccines um glaxo admitted is what it was an adjuvant vaccine they basically used a form of soap and i think the audience needs to know what an adjuvant is if i just take an isolated protein from some germ and stick it underneath your skin no cell gets injured just by that isolated protein. And so the cells never send off any signals to activate the immune system to fight that protein and you don't get a reaction. So to give these component vaccines where we're not actually giving you a live pathogen that can cause problems and cause injury, they actually have to injure your cells to get the immune system to do anything with. So they put in adjuvants, which are all toxins. Uh, Sometimes they use heavy metal toxins, I think uh, Glaxo used a soap, effectively soap, as the toxin. Pfizer is using a very concentrated sugar solution to cause what we call an osmotic injury, where we just basically suck all the water out of cells and make them give this injury signal. But the injury signal isn't the same kind of signals you would get if you actually got infected with the virus. So you don't really make the immune system react to the right way to fight the virus. And you can make all kinds of off-target immune system problems develop because you're not giving it the signals that it would get from a true infection. Um, and then, of course, uh, once you started to manipulate the immune system in this kind of bastardized fashion, uh, you can get all kinds of things, including making it fight the germ wrong, which is what we saw with the initial RSV vaccine. And in these trials that they've done, both for the maternal shots and for the elderly shots, they stopped the research after one year. It's many times the second time you're exposed to the pathogen after your immune system has been given the vaccine that all the evil shows up. So they were very careful to stop this 
Wait, what, what do you mean by stopping it? Well, they stopped the trial. Um, they didn't carry the trial out for three years. Uh, they carried about basically for, uh, they said two years, but they started the trial before RSV season. So then you went through an RSV season, and then they stopped it before the second RSV season so that most people in the trial never got a second exposure to RSV to demonstrate that the vaccine wouldn't <laughs> cause problems with second exposure. Well, well, wait a minute. Let's take this look for our audience. So this was a 60-year known problem that, you know, this was vexing people, you know, because legitimately it is scary for people because unlike COVID, this does affect babies. Some babies are hospitalized. Now, generally, it's very well treated with a nebulizer. But, you know, it, it it's something that was vexing them. And we, we, we didn't have a vaccine because of that. So we that we suddenly get COVID. And then once they acculturate people to like, yeah, this is kind of what we do. We just you know, shove this on people. Happy. Some people die. Some people don't. But it's all good. Then on the backside of that, we have one year of research with RSV shots, gets full approval right away. And the entire problem last time was the second season. And what, they stopped the control group before the second season? Yeah, I mean, you can't get this stupid for free. Um, Yeah, that's effectively what was done. Knowing that these things usually had a problem with second exposure, they made sure they did a trial where nobody would get second exposure. Um, oh, I mean, you, like I say, you, you can't get that stupid for free. This isn't benign uh, uh, naivete. This is active ignorance. Um, in addition, you know, they, they were very careful, at least in Pfizer's trial, to screen out any mothers who had any kind of autoimmune problems, wouldn't let them into the trial. And yet <laughs> that's not an exclusion for the vaccine. So if your immune system already works badly and we haven't tested it in you at all, here, mom. We're going to shoot this thing which manipulates immune systems incorrectly using toxins. We're going to shoot this into you, even though we have no studies on whether or not the risks outweigh the benefits in you. Wait a uh, minute. We exclude it from the trial. So tons of people have autoimmune nowadays, which in itself is kind of suspicious how quickly genera- generationally that came on. But so you have a lot of these pregnant women, they could have all sorts of autoimmune, especially the, you know, the stomach sort of ailments that that everyone seems to have nowadays um and they come in there and if anything the obg will say well you know i think you have some health issues you really ought to make sure you have the rsv shot and you're saying that they specifically kicked them out of the trial that's a that's a famous thing they do what about the placebo what sort of placebo because we've heard a lot about this i was ignorant about all of this i always thought that you know before covid covid was the first time that they screwed around with this but before then, they had like 10 years and followed up and they had placebo controlled. And, you know, you were able to compare 10 years side by side um, outcomes for the disease, outcome for side effects compared to them. And then we're, we we suddenly find out, actually, uh, we never really have legitimate ones. What do you know about the placebo control in the RSV trials? Well, they don't exist. <laughs> Um, and people should understand that a placebo is when we give you a placebo, it's got to be something which has no effect on the immune system, right? Because that's what a placebo is supposed to do. And none of these vaccine trials, except the COVID trials, where they use a true, pl- well, we, then it wasn't a, a, a true placebo. But in all of these, what they have done is given one group of people the toxin adjuvant plus the protein we want the body to respond to, and then the other group just gets the toxin. Now, that's not a true placebo control because we're trying to say, hey, what did this shot do if we gave you nothing? But the other group isn't getting nothing. They're getting toxin. 
And so one can't answer the question, is this bastard immune system response that we're, in, that we're stimulating you to get, is it better than we just left you alone, can't be answered because we never took a group and just left them alone. Now, to, to make this so they can kind of deceive people better, they'll frequently put 50 people in the trial that they are giving a saline injection to. But when, the, when you have a true placebo group that's that small, you can't get any statistical analysis to show anything significant. But they then claim that because we put 50 people in here and gave them a saline saltwater shot, that it's placebo-controlled, even though we know that group is too small for us to make any kind of scientific conclusions based upon it. So it's really a shell game. Um, it, it's like a science shell game. It's kind of science-like. But it's miserably bad scientific method that I think most freshman medical students would recognize if they taught this stuff in medical school, that that's not valid scientific method. Did, do you happen to know if they killed off the uh, control group, whatever it was, to begin with in this RSV trial? In other words, did they give them the vaccine in the end? Give them the, the what? Did they give the control group, like it, with COVID, we have no long-term follow-up because they wound up giving the control group the vaccine eventually. Oh, I see what you're at. Yeah. Well, they actually did, you know, carry them out for 24 months, uh, making sure, I think it was 23 months, making sure they didn't get a second exposure. Um, but you have to remember there was, the, just because you carried it out two years doesn't mean you have a placebo control. If the other group's getting toxin, but not toxin plus protein, that's not a placebo control. Um, and so you, you've got, you've carried it out to a time frame which is too short. You don't have a placebo control. And you're doing this despite the fact you know that your previous attempts to do this have gone very badly. I, I mean, it's that scientifically bankrupt. Um, you've excluded the people who are most likely to have a problem with RSV, the people who have immune system dysfunctions to begin with, are all excluded from the trial. Um, it, it's, it's just scientifically bankrupt. Dan. I don't know another way to say it. So, I mean, obviously, a lot of us are certainly on this sort of acknowledgement that anything post-COVID is just off-kilter. And, and I think a lot of people understand that, these RSV shots. But what so many of us are struggling with, and I know there's a lot of people in this audience that they have kids, they have grandkids, they want to become pregnant, and they just don't know what to do. Because here we are, decades into this, we have all these um, shots that are given to kids within a few weeks and then a few months, and how do we sort out which ones are needed, which ones are not, which ones are effective, which ones are not, which ones are dangerous, which ones are not? And then the synergistic effect, um, you know, I, I could chalk certain things up to being unique to COVID, the spike pr protein or lipid nanoparticles. Um, and certainly this thing seems to cause an inordinate amount of heart ailments and blood clotting and things that probably aren't co that common with with the other shots. But then there's the immune system stuff that gets me wondering, could you, could you just describe a little bit what happens when you have an uncontrolled antibody spike? You know, when you take a kid, and I forget how many shots we're up to, we're up to about 70, 80 doses by the time someone's 18 years old, but a lot of those are front-loaded within the first two years, and even first few months, they get a bunch of shots. Um... Is that necessarily a good thing that you have all those antibodies in you? 
Well, you have to remember the antibodies don't fight infections. Um, the CDC continues to say this, but basic immunology, they teach people the antibodies aren't made until the immune, the infection is actually going away. Antibodies are actually, not very many animals make them. I think it's late reptiles, birds, animals, uh, mammals. They're about the only ones who make antibodies. Antibodies, all they do is they prevent reinfection on a re-exposure or dissemination through the bloodstream. They aren't what actually goes out and kills off the cootie. So when somebody says, hey, I got a vaccine, I have great antibody responses, what does that mean? And the answer is it doesn't mean anything. And we've known that for decades. Well, doesn't it mean if it sees the pathogen again, so then you will, will prevent reinfection? Well, you would think that, but, you know, it doesn't really always do that. There are several different types of antibodies. So our, our surfaces of our nose, our mouth, our intestine, we secrete this stuff called IgA antibodies. That does bind germs and keep them from getting to us. But most of these vaccines don't cause you to make that antibody. So you're still susceptible to having the bug crawl in and infect your cells. Once that has happened, the antibody doesn't do you any good. You have to have what we call a cellular immune response. That's what kills off the virus-infected cells. The problem is the immune system doesn't have unlimited resources. It has to choose to either make white blood cells that do cellular immune response or white blood cells that make antibodies. Many times what we're seeing with these vaccines is we drive that so they commit all of their resources to making antibodies, and now they have deficient cellular immune response, and we think that's part of why on the second exposure they actually get sick. Because when now when the bug gets into the system, the vaccine didn't make IgA antibodies, so it still gets in and infects cells. The immune system says, oh, I remember what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to make tons of antibodies. Doesn't make cellular immunity. And that's one of the reasons we saw people actually getting RSV and some of these other vaccines, like the COVID shots, increasing your risk for the very thing they're supposed to protect you Because <laughs> they actually tell your immune system, don't do something, but do the wrong thing. This was literally and, and, in Moderna's baby shot for COVID. There was an, a, a, a strong correlation with a higher level of RSV within 30 days with those kids. I mean, it was it was in there, what, like like six-month to two-year-old, I think, trial um, for, for toddlers. And, well, in fact, yeah, one of the most embarrassing things about the first RSV vaccine back in the 1960s is it was noticed during that second year, the kids who were most likely to come down with RSV and die were the ones with the highest antibody level. Wow. So, so, so you're saying before we even get into the question of autoantibodies and this uncontrolled spike and, you know, how we have a generation of people with all these allergens and, and autoimmune disorders, you're saying just the pathogen itself, that's where you can get this negative efficacy and, 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 and ADE. And obviously, you know, and, 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 and here's the irony. It's the, the Philadelphia Children's Hospital, CHOP, famous, you know, hospital there on their website they explain very vividly what ad is and how the rsv shots of the 60s is the textbook example of it to describe to our audience what their big you know chief of immunization there um vaccinologist paul offit who's a member of asip uh had to say about this you know i don't like i say you, you can't get this stupid for free this isn't naivete uh, this is just blind ignorance of what we know frequently goes wrong, probably goes wrong, um, and, and completely ignoring the other option of, hey, the problem is your bad immune system to begin with, and we have things that make your immune system fight better. 
but we don't use those. Instead, we give it this twisted uh, education of vaccine of vaccines that we really don't know the entire response to. You you said you know a lot of parents don't know what to do, and I tell them, yeah, I got to tell you with great certainty, we don't know what to tell you either as doctors because no one is doing rational research on vaccines. Um, my best guess is you're better off improving your immune system and not taking a vaccine for most of these pathogens. Most of the pathogens we have vaccines for are low penetrance pathogens. The majority of people get them, get no or mild disease and have no consequences. But what about something um, like, I mean, they're shoving on, especially middle school age, when you want to go to a camp or even the schools like meningitis, they say, look, people die very quickly from that, you know, a high percentage of death. I mean, they're they're pushing that shot. I, I just don't know what to think anymore. I mean, is that a good one? Well, first of all, who knows? They won't do a placebo-controlled trial. <laughs> For all we know, we make it so that you don't fight meningitis right. Remember, all of the placebo group is taking a toxin. Um, so Jeez. who knows what it does? I mean, it, this is the, the, the scientific bankruptcy of vaccine study. Um, so in other words, yeah, you're you're basically saying, look, do I do I get your 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 uh, position correct? Obviously, COVID vaccines are, I mean, just prima facie poison. Of respiratory viral vaccines, you were the first to warn they're never good candidates for uh, vaccines. And even Fauci basically admitted that in his uh, published article at Cell about a year ago, about 13 months ago, he published that. Um, but when it comes to some of these others, it just seems like in general it's too much. You know, but you're like, yeah, I mean, we can't vouch for which one is and isn't because we don't have enough data on it. And it's designed to hide any safety signals. Um, but what I want to get to is. Do you think it's conceivable that be, you know, before we pick apart individual vaccines, but just take it in totality, does it take Sherlock Holmes to realize that if you take a kid that quickly on in their cellular development and put that many kind of diversity of N antibodies in their body so quickly, and then within a generation we have autism off the charts, does the correlation make a little bit of sense that it could be causation? No, it makes a lot of sense. Um, there's already been good work that demonstrates that autism and things on the spectrum um, are a presentation of something called chronic inflammatory response syndrome, which is something that happens when you get a long-term infectious stimulating inflammation in the right setting. Well, I can't think of a better way to do that than to give somebody injections with 12 different pathogens consistently for six or eight straight months. Um, this would be a perfect way to trip somebody into chronic inflammatory response syndrome, which in many kids is going to present as autism. It's a perfectly rational explanation for what's been seen. We can't say with 95% certainty because no one will do the studies right. Um, but it, it's, it's the thing you would have to sit back and say, well, it's very logical that doing what we're doing with vaccines right now probably almost certainly does increase autism risk. Um, and probably, I would even go so far as to say probably more than if we did nothing and almost certainly more than if instead we were to take these kids and instead improve their immune system function. Oh, um, man, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I can't say there's a kind, not a kinder way to put this to the American government and the American healthcare system. And, and, and people like us are kind of caught. We're just not sure what to do. Um, how deep the rock goes back? Is it 
particular other vaccines? Is it all of them? Is it some of them? Is it the synergistic effect of, of some of them or all of them together? I mean, these are the type of things we're supposed to study. And and wasn't Dr. Paul Offit, again, this big member of the ASIP committee, questioned about this issue that, hey, you know, we haven't really had the basic gold standard that we talk about, the double-blinded placebo-controlled trials, because they're not real placebos, and he didn't seem to be uh, too bothered by that. Well, as a matter of fact, his response was, I'll be charitable and just call it very disingenuous and disappointing. His response was, well, you make it sound like only saline can be a placebo, but if I gave you two liters of saline, you'd have an immune response. And most of us heard that statement and, and just like, but nobody's talking about giving two liters of saline as a placebo for a shot that we're going to put half a milliliter of solution. <laughs> uh, it, it was almost, I mean, it, you, like I said, you can't get that done for free. Uh, the analogy was just totally irrational. It, it, um, it's like a religious belief. And um, I, I, I just don't like a financial belief. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, it's financial, but I do think uh, in the medical professions become a religious uh, belief, maybe driven originally by money. Um, you know what's also what struck me as so dangerous now, and it's brilliant from their part. COVID is like a tsunami. Let's say society, the medical health of humanity is like an ocean. So the COVID shots were a global tsunami. It just it killed, maimed so many people you have now more than half of all medical billing codes of ailments and injuries accounted for in VAERS associated with COVID shots. So now if you come out with any new product like the RSV vaccine, it's going to be so hard to tell, you know, what's coming from what. I know uh, Dr. Jessica Rose uh, uh, mocked up a chart for me as of a month ago. There were at least 3,000 VAERS entries so far on the RSV shots. Um, but, you know, it's going to be hard to tell given the amount that they're bombing people with. Um, and now, you know, people... De describe what happens when you have seniors come every fall and they're like, are you up on your COVID shot? Are you up on your RSV shot? Are you up on your flu shot? Yeah, I, um, well, I can't describe anything good. I mean, with these... Remember these COVID shots, they drive the body toward human immunity, immunity and drive down cellular immunity more than any of the other shots we've done. And we probably have better studies on their effect. The problem is that as you ruin cellular immunity, you also make yourself more susceptible to RSV and influenza and everything known to man. So even when you're studying RSV, if your population has been COVID vaccinated, one has to ask, what would this do if we took this and gave it to a group of people who, God bless them, understood how bad this is going to be and never took COVID shots. Um, you know, the, the outcomes may be entirely different. Um, it's just hard to describe the perturbation that we're making here and the number of ways it can go wrong, but they all exceed the chance of it going right. Oh, man. I, I, I mean, th this is really, we're all stuck, and this is why it is so important that we get as many states as possible States have an obligation to shadow box CDC, to stop following the schedule, ignore it, and start from scratch and have their own vaccine commission where we do bottom up. I mean, look at the macro epidemiological data. I mean, I've seen data on, on hepatitis A. I've seen on pertussis that would really shock people that, in fact, it's, you know, the, the cases have gotten worse since the vaccines came out. Um, and some basic things that we take for granted that we all thought we knew 
uh, were either fraudulent at the clinical trial level or just, you know, there's been no follow-up data and we, you know, we kind of think it works. And I, you know, and I think you're right. Some vaccines probably do work, but they're unnecessary and cause problems and some work temporarily and then have negative efficacy later. And this all needs to be accounted for. So obviously this all leads to, we need a commission on vaccines, as many as we can get each state we need to repeal the indemnity clause in 1986 and the PrEP Act. But you, I know you're also very focused on this Bayh-Dole Act of, I believe, 1980. Could you describe what that is and why it's so important? Yeah, in 1984, Congress actually passed a bill that made it legal for the federal government to take our tax dollars, give it to somebody to pay for research that led to something patentable, and then they could claim the patent for their personal use, and they didn't have to report to anybody how that they were making money off of that patent. Um, so as soon as that bill got passed, the NIH started giving grants to people, frequently to its own scientists, yep. um, do research. They would all, somebody at the NIH would become second or third author on one of these papers. Then when they would develop something patentable, like a vaccine or testing for the virus that caused it or whatever, they would actually now be financially invested in that disease and the patentable production of things to treat it with. And so the number of patents just exploded that are owned by the NIH. In one year alone, Moderna paid $400 million in royalties to people at the NIH who owned patents for the COVID response uh, shot they were doing. Well, this then is, is all of these vaccines are being paid for by research that we as taxpayers spent for the private proper, uh, profit of people at the NIH and CDC who spread some of it around to the universities that they used to do the research with. But then the people who are evaluating these vaccines are frequently people working at the NIH <laughs> getting grants to do the research. And so we have basically perverted, just financially corrupted, the entire idea of vaccine science. It has no financially unconflicted people, in it, with the possible exception of Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Jr. I um, mean, a few of us who don't now work for healthcare systems, the people who are doing this evaluation all have money in the game. And it's because they own patents or expect to get grants to do other research that they can profit from. And, and I believe that is true of the RSV shots, that the NIH will be getting royalties for oh, I'm sure. a lot of the research that the, these other companies built off of, which is just unbelievable. Um, As a matter of fact, in the entire country right now, very little research is done by Pfizer or AstraZeneca. The research is actually done on an NIH grant. And then after you show that, hey, this thing is patentable, it's got a patent, the pharmaceutical company come in and they license it to do the final work of getting it formulated to give to a human. But the work has all been paid for by the federal government and our tax dollars for the private pro uh, profit of the people at the NIH and the CDC and the FDA. That's right. Pharmaceutical industries don't do much pharmaceutical research, not on their own dime. They're not <laughs> risking their own dollars. They are taking our dollars, letting us do the risk. They just walk away with all the patents. And, and, and then the government funds every single influential medical institution or association. So, you know, the, the association of OBGs and pediatricians and whatever. So then they give them funding to pimp the, the stuff 
And, and, and this is how they monopolize the marketplace to the point where even short of a mandate, it's a de facto mandate because you can't get around it in society. Um, they just own that. And that's why we need protections the other way around. And that's why I strongly support um, whether it's public or private sector bills banning mandates, because, you know, even if they mandate, it's not of their own free will. It's all uh, because of government and state actors. Um, but, you know, we're still struggling in red states. I mean, your state of Indiana, the health department is may as well be like California. It's it's like a blue yeah. state. It's just awful there. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know what to do here. I mean, this is not funny, Dan. I mean, this affects all of humanity. This is probably the most important thing. Anyone with a child born, it's like, damn, what do I do with the kid? What do I do well, with them? I would tell people, look, if you were upset about the fact that Hitler gassed six million Jews, you ought to be just inflamed about this. This is going to kill many more people before it's done than that's it. And I would tell anybody listening to this radio podcast, if we don't get control of our legislatures and start making them pass some rational laws and repeal the irrational laws, this is going to continue to get worse. Look how brazen right now the pharmaceutical industry is about what it's doing and how it's making money and getting control over people. I mean, they've, it's been called out clearly that what they've done is harming people with COVID and they don't care. They're still reformulating this lipid nanoparticle mess and putting it out to people. And unless we get control of our legislatures and quit passing these incredible, incredible crony capitalist laws, uh, like the Bayh-Dole Act, like the PrEP Act, um, if we don't get those reversed, this is just going to continue to get worse. No, this is this is absolutely crazy. Um, and, and that's why, look, I'm, I'm working overtime and I'm going to need people like you to testify at some of these legislative hearings. So at least in the red states, we can do something here. Um, before I let you go, I'd be remiss if I didn't just broach this because this was just starting to come out the last time we talked. But now it's a known fact that cancers are just everywhere. So um, the American Cancer Society shows that uh, they're expecting... 2 million new cancer diagnoses for the first time in 2024, um, driven by an alarming increase in cancers among young Americans. Uh, I mean, that is a, I mean, that's a six Sigma excess in cases projected for 2024. That's one in 500 million year chance of that happening. Um, what, I mean, does that surprise you or mechanistically, does it make sense, uh, with the IgG4 issues, with the shutting off of your cellular uh, surveillance system, that this was bound to cause that? Well, it, it, honestly, it doesn't surprise me at all. Cellular immunity, the other thing it does besides fighting germs is it destroys cancer cells. So if you've taken multiple of these COVID shots, and who knows, for the other vaccines as well, you just basically don't have very good cellular immunity. In addition, this spike protein, which we know is being made for at least six months, in many people, after they take a shot of this, the spike protein itself interferes with cancer regulatory genes that the, the spike protein does inside of the cell, which is where it's being made by the unregulated ton. If anybody says, am I surprised by this? I know I would have been surprised if it didn't raise the risk of cancer in young, healthy people. This, um, this is just, I mean, it is so, so tragic. Um, do, do you ever write or speak out? Is, is there, do you have a sub stack that people could follow? Uh, you know, I'm actually not much of a social media guy. I can tell you, I work for a group here. I'm the director of the Citizens Coalition for Legislature Accountability here in Indiana, where we're trying to get our legislature under control. 
you know, the biochemistry right now, Daniel, doesn't it doesn't interest me nearly as much as the legal part of this because yes, um, biochemically, you can just see this nightmare is going to get worse. Um, the ignorance going on in the federal health authorities right now is, I mean, it's like the guy who shepherds Jews into the gas chamber. Yeah. I mean, th these guys show up to committee hearings to this day with masks, so they've learned nothing about that issue that's that's black and white. I mean, it just it's it's literal idolatry. And and it's because the more it's ineffective, the more there's a rationale for it. I mean, it's brilliant. Like, I mean, we saw there was no question that that unnatural RSV spike in the summer of 2021 was in the summer or not the winter It was the first time we had that. There's no question that that was due, and we see the Moderna data, that that was due to the COVID shots. And like, oh my gosh, look at this RSV, we need an RSV shot. And then it's like, the more you inject, the more you infect, and then it engenders more of a need for it. And um, I mean, this is Malok. It's the modern day Malok. But the problem is it's enmeshed in so much of this stuff, that including some vaxes that were around for a while. And you know, I know some of you in the audience will be like, yeah, Daniel, they're all poison. I mean... I don't know. I I, I, I want to get to the truth on that. And and I just have no way of doing this. And, and and I think, you know, you're right. If we would get rid of the liability stuff, this whole thing would come tumbling down. Um, we don't even have a, a bill to do this in Congress. We don't have the subcommittee on coronavirus doing this. Uh, they won't even broach this issue. And meanwhile, uh, the few people who could still have babies, you know, with fertility down they're they're stuck with this conundrum and and look i'll tell you where i am you can't even find a pediatrician that's willing to work with you it's that bad you know i tell people find a direct paid physician somebody who you pay directly you don't pay through a third party that frees him of this financial coercion so that he can actually think independently without a financial gun to his head that's the way i interact with all of my patients I even have a clause in my contract with my patients that says I'm not allowed to make money on anything I give them advice about so I can protect myself from the financial beatdown that's going on in the brains of everybody at the NIH and the CDC. Um, and we're not going to get this solved until we have gone to our legislators and said the lobbyists can't save you anymore. We know what you're doing. We want these laws changed. Um, we're not going to be able to outspend lobbyists, but if we don't get these laws changed, if we don't get control of our legislatures, this is just going to get worse, and they will take more of our tax dollars to make more of these shots, research even worse, so that they can dodge the consequences that are almost certainly happening. So you are in, what, Fishers, Indiana? Um, are are you taking new patients? We are, uh-huh. So, yeah, I mean, this is your kind of, kind of a, you know, suburb of Indianapolis and northeast side of it. So those of you who are in Indiana looking for a brilliant free-thinking doctor. Well, <laughs> now is your time. This is the place. Um, and be happy that you're in an area where you have one because I certainly don't. Dr. Dan, this has been engaging as always. We're going to watch this. But folks, let's start at least with RSV. Do not get this shot. Pregnant, senior, kid, whatever. Do not get it. Um, and if you have any questions for Dr. Dan, let me know. Uh, thank you for joining us today. And thank you all. God bless you all. Till tomorrow. Micah 6-8. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. 
Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com.